a discussion with Damon Burton. Welcome to Create with Trip Helix. Hey, it's me. This is episode number 16, and I hope you enjoy this guest as much as I did. And now, here's Damon. Yeah, so you're an, you're a marketing guy, right? I am, yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, how long you been doing that? 13 years officially in, um, you know, specifically to the SEO space, but I've been in, in web design or online stuff in one form or another for 20. Wow. And it's changed a lot. It is so much easier to create in the web space. And actually the SEO tools have gotten easier and Google has made it so that organic stuff kind of doesn't work if you're in the main mainstream but well i wouldn't say that that's what pays my bills (laughs) (laughs) but you know you are right about um you know more tools being available and and that's good and bad it's good obviously for the broader market but then it's it's also bad because then you get your friend's neighbor's dog that says they can do web design (laughs) because they could just go push a couple buttons but it doesn't mean it's good yeah or fast or works on a cell phone um it, but Google's changing that and making it cell phone first now, which is really kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they actually made the move in 2016 was when the majority of that emphasis, you know, kind of hit the tipping point. So it's um, not quite 100%. I don't know that it necessarily always will be, but it's mobile is definitely the majority nowadays. Yeah, so what this whole thing, the video part is about is when you get to the point that you're going to do something impactful and makes this grandiose statement that just makes people want to pee their pants or curl (laughs) either one of the two, take your pick. Um, What I'm going to do is take that segment of you with the video with you eating the microphone and put that into a video (laughs) format and Uh um, chain Daisy chain these together in a highly video uh, choreographed message that looks like I'm from a major news media and I run these on Saturday and Sunday uh, for three hours back to back pseudo live, but they're not really live. They're coming off my uh, switch and social media can't turn me off because I'm just sending a live broadcast uh-huh. and it just points back at this podcast. Sure. Uh, at least that's my thing. So tell me a little bit about yourself and your relentless jamming sessions that you've had um, <laughs> and your illicit musician buddies that you've got. Tell me. Well, um, I don't know. I don't know that I have any, you know, I did seven years in radio and I certainly have illicit, uh, musician stories, but I've never been, (laughs) I've never been the jammer myself. (laughs) You know, I picked up, you can see this guitar in the background. Uh That's just kind of where, where it ended up. But I just recently bought that, um, when the whole coronavirus thing happened, I've, when I did a lot of, um, time in radio is because I had a, you know, an interest in music and I never was one to pick it up though and actually play. And so I thought maybe this would be a time where I could finally squeeze that in. But I've I've been one of the lucky ones where um, I haven't been negatively impacted. And if anything, I'm probably more busy. And so there sits the guitar still. Yeah. So, um, what brought you into looking, are you looking for clients out of publicity? Is that what you were doing? I, I wasn't really, um, well, not necessarily, I mean, not necessarily. No, I mean, I've been at this long enough that I've, I've been fortunate enough to have a successful career. So I, I do these regularly because I do like participating in this platform and I'm not a salesy person. So it's kind of funny when you say whether I want to make a grandiose, um, presentation or make people vomit. I'm, I'm not really the pitchy kind of guy. So I do these more for networking. I do have, you know, the next two weeks is a little bit different than usual because I did publish a book and I'm kind of funneling those towards free book downloads. But in general, oh, cool. I don't, I don't usually come on these and be the big pukey guy. 
Yeah, well, I'm a little bit different in the um, podcast world by design. I'm new at this. I have invented countless disgusting things on the internet, and I don't <laughs> take credit for them. Uh, so I'm not going to bring them up. But uh -huh. these are appliances and other things that you use uh -huh. literally every day. Um, so what I did is uh, the synergy of the podcast is couple one i make a web page for every podcast that has every link that i can find in about you in it um hopefully you decide to share my web page with somebody i put them on social media mm -hmm. and i've got a few uh, i've got some people i have friends that have hundreds of thousands of followers so i can spread i spread your podcast wide in the hopes that every reference to your own name forever comes back to me. <laughs> well, given the space that I'm in, you and I are fighting for that top space on my name. So. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I have a really bad history with the marketing guys. And if you looked up who I am. <laughs> I did. Uh, yeah. 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 yeah, I, yeah. So I, 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 people that are creative, I'm a fan of. Okay, people that make stuff, mm -hmm. you have my attention and my internal gratitude. I mean, the people that bend imagery and mm -hmm. bend the minds with creativity, mm -hmm. but the pimps in the industry, I could do without, and so could everybody. For sure. um, yeah. And there's a whole bunch of people that are out there that sell our shit like turning us all into plain whores with our data yeah and you know that that crap needs to go away and it's gotten to the point that um most people don't understand it they really have no idea so anyway so tell me about your creativity stuff i perused on your website a little bit you create videos and audios and are on that space so tell me a little bit about your your technique side or what part of the creativity side are you personally in? Yeah. So we, we don't get into, you know, me and my team don't get into like, as you said, the data whoring. So we don't do any of the paid ads. We don't get into, um, you know, the retargeting and the collecting of data. So we kind of, we're kind of on the opposite side. So what we do is we work with our clients to identify, you know, what is what, what are their value propositions? What do they do better than their competitors? And then we figure out ways to present that to search engines to, to build that credibility. So what we focus on is entirely the organic side of things and it's building up the awareness around the brand and, and what they offer. So we don't get into any of the paid stuff. So as far as the creative side, where we start is we, we start on the research of, you know, what makes the client different that we can kind of emphasize um, what makes them different than their competitors. And then from there we say, okay, how do we align the client's, you know, voice, like how they want to present themselves. And then we align that with the intent of their ideal buyer. So all that fancy talk means basically what we do is we figure out how can we write a story around our client that communicates what they offer in a simplistic way to their ideal audience. So that comes in the form of, you know, written text and, you know, blogs, or we'll repurpose that content into visual assets, which might be, you know, informative graphics, or as you said, videos. So uh, the, this, the, the cliff notes is we try to still, we try to tell a story around what our clients offer. Cool. And, you know, that's, that's one of the, that's one of the things that lack and most people don't understand that the story the story arc rules the industry for everything and that's why we get driven to um driven to media is the story arc mm -hmm. so why don't you describe how you leverage stories in very short segmented pieces to drive traffic for your customer base. 
So for our clients, we're trying to balance two things. One is how to attract the attention of Google and other search engines. But then we also have to, you know, assuming that we attract that attention and bring in leads or buyers from that attention, then we also have to communicate a story to that, that lead. And so we have to balance showcasing the client's value propositions to attract Google with the storytelling to appeal to an audience. So what we do is, you know, it's, it's some of the old, a lot of content I write is, is about the old SEO myths. And so some, one example is you have to say your target keyword over and over and over and over and over. And so a lot of SEOs will go out there and then just kind of throw mud at the wall. And if you're, if your target phrase that you want to monetize is I sell shoes, uh, you know, then they just write shoes, 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 shoes over and over and over. So what we do different from that is we say, okay, you know, what, what are people already searching on Google or other search engines about shoes? And so we try to identify what the audience is already asking for and how we can solve those problems. So whether it's an FAQ type of topic that somebody wants to know about whatever the client's audience is, then we build out a knowledge base for that. If it's some sort of, you know, pain that this, that our client's service solves, then we identify how do we present that solution to the audience. So we try to identify what the audience actually is already on search engines for and what that intent is, and then create solutions based around that. Okay. So tell me about your, your ideal, what your customer's socket is, because I looked on your website and there are, um, fortunately you actually define your customer base, which half your industry doesn't. Um, and they try to do a one size fits all into the shoe box mm-hmm. approach, which doesn't really work. So what, Cut size of companies are your target base for your customers? Our clients are, you know, I tend to work with medium to large businesses. Um, it, I, I'm kind of laughing inside when you're talking about how others don't, def- uh, they, they try to fit their clients into a one size box. And that's actually a pretty common problem in our industry because more often the, the examples that I always see is the, the lawyer SEOs or the dentist SEOs. And the problem you run into with, with those type of agencies is, is they come up with a recipe and then they just, you know, it's, it's a cookie cutter recipe that they use for every client over and over and over. So there's nothing unique between what they do to solve their clients problems. And so if you don't offer something unique to search engines in your audience, then those sites that they're servicing aren't going to show up any different uniquely. So now in, in one sense of thing, you know, in marketing, you always hear identify your avatar, who's your, what's your persona. So that's actually something that's kind of, uh, as you said, we, we, it's something that I wish I could say we had, but our clients are all over the board. I'll give you an example. You know, one of our, one of our most recent clients is a lumberyard, and then followed by them is a divorce attorney that focuses on narcissism. So, okay. <laughs> so I want to hear about the I want to hear about the narcissistic attorney that defor- that focuses on divorce. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so she she's been. She's been a real, um, she's been enjoyable to talk with. She, she just came on board yesterday. So, but she came as a referral as most of our clients do. And, you know, she's really passionate about what she does. And, and that's kind of what we look for. You asked, you know, what's her ideal client? Sure. So ideally our client comes to us at a point where they already have a basic understanding of search engine marketing. Because as I said at the beginning of us chatting, I, I'm not the pukey sales guy. And I don't want to sell somebody on SEO twice. What I mean by that is I don't want to say, here's what SEO is and here's why it's valuable. Buy that. Now also buy us as the service provider. And so it's, it's nice when somebody comes in and they, they, they don't have to know the ins and outs of SEO, but they understand the value of it and that it's a, a long-term effort and they understand the basics. And then from there, I can educate them, which helps them help us. So ideally, they, they have a runway and patience, enough patience to allow SEO to, to show its full value. Sure. And, you know, the, the, quest, the quest also is that there's a generational gap that I'm seeing in, in 
the market and the marketplace, especially in the internet marketing place, where the the consumer base that's over 35 still, although it grew up with the internet, still isn't aware. There's a basic fundamental thing that I see in market and I scoff at it, and that is that the idea that's jammed down people's throat is that your kid, when it's a 90 degree day, is going to whip out the cell phone while you're in the park at a family gathering and look at the ice creams vendor and see if they actually have an ad on Instagram and decide that they don't want that ice cream because there's no ad on Instagram. And you know how insidiously stupid that idea is. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that is what is pushed on the under 30 group, under 35 group, um, relentlessly by every, every level of marketing. At the mm -hmm. other end of the spectrum, it isn't even a consideration, but I, you know, mm -hmm. I just keep seeing this over and over and over again, and I'm laughing at it because <laughs> it is so stupid. <laughs> There definitely is a, a, um, a gap, a generational gap, as you said, you know, from my perspective, what's interesting is how people, and it kind of touches on what you were bringing up is how, how business owners or marketing managers understand uh, what options there are. So like you said, younger generations, they feel like it's paid ads, paid ads, paid ads. And what's weird is where I've been in this for 13 years, I've kind of seen this like this up and down of the influence sure. of SEO because 13 years ago, SEO was the new shiny thing. And right. so it was lots of SEO talk. And then now it's Facebook ads and click funnels. So the, the one thing that I've never done that most other advertisers do is they say it's a zero sum game. So they say, you can only do paid ads. If you don't do paid ads, you're a loser. Or there's some of the SEO guys that say, if you don't do SEO, you're a loser. From my perspective, you can do any or all as long as they're driving a return on your investment. But yeah, there's, there's, there's definitely with the shiny object syndrome, people getting lost in the vanity metrics more than usual. Um, and you know, what's great. What, one clear example I have is there was an international real estate company that we were doing some consulting for. And when we were trying to align, okay, where's the intent behind what our targets are? We don't want to just target anything because it sounds like it's the right target. We want to, you know, make right. sure that it's going to bring a return. And so they said, well, here's what our other, here's what our paid ads team is doing. And they sent us a list of these targets. And I said, well, why, why are you targeting this and this and this and this? Like none of these make any sense. You know, sure. It had the, city of their target but it was the city and day spas why are you guys targeting day spas you guys are a real estate agency and so when we went through those what we found out was the the company was so big that i think that it just got lost as it came down the chain of command and and the way that they rolled out their paid ads was here's a hundred grand go spend it and that was that was it and so they would marketing would just go we got to go spend a hundred grand and so they just go spend it, but their objective was just to spend it and not to return, to get a return on their sure. investment. So it seems like because of the, the paid ads, there's some, there are certainly cool ways um, to do paid ads and the Facebook ads phenomenon has, you know, cool things, but it's, you, you don't just, you don't have to go there. Sure. You don't need to unless it drives a return. And so anyways, come in full circle to you talking about generational gaps is what's interesting is, you know, 13 years ago when I got into SEO was, was the new shiny thing. And so there was a lot of attention there. But then as other new shiny things came along, SEO is still as effective as ever, yet it doesn't get the mainstream attention because it's not the new kid on the block. And so as I've stuck to SEO as my focus, um, and said, I'm not going to be the agency that does everything and is mediocre at all of it. We see these other guys just dilute the value that they can bring their clients because they're just spreading them so thin across so many different things. But all the clients, I mean, we still have a dozen clients from day one, 13 years ago, and we can clearly show their return year after year after year when, when all the other guys just 
jump ship and go to the new shiny thing. And then uh, half the time they end up coming back later. What is the new shiny thing today? Facebook ads and click funnels. Um, yeah. And, 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 and it, it, the thing about the, the funnels, I always, you know, you see the CD guys with the advertising of the funnels and mm-hmm. what, what's really funny is the hookup for all of this is just this, to grab the random email address that trickles through. Um, I don't see that. Are these guys impactful in any way? Are they actually making any money? Or is it a whole collage of people that are on a bandwagon screaming up and down and not getting any return? No, there's there's definitely some people getting getting returns out of this. I know several people that that is their core focus, and they do really well. Um, but it's it's very mechanical. It's a dollar in, two dollars out, and it's not building brand awareness. And so the problem you run into is is through paid Facebook ads, you are building up Facebook's platform. Right. And through paid Instagram ads, you're building up Instagram, which Facebook also owns, or through Google ads, you're building up. Google's portfolio. And so you don't own those assets. And so what are you going to do when the cost per ad continues to increase and and no longer drives a return? Or what about when in five years, the replacement of Facebook comes along and then you have all that money invested in there that you can't transfer over to that new platform. So they're certainly profitable, but I, I think there's a lot more sustainability in, um, you know, building out your own assets. So when you are building out the assets for a, um, a promotion for a product or a service, what tools do you typically employ across the internet? The, as far as tools, I mean, the, I'll answer that a little bit different. There are tools that are used, but that's kind of in the research phase. But then as you actually create the content, it's, it's all in house, you know, so you have copywriters that create the content or you have designers that create the graphics or, you know, visual editors that create the videos, but there's tons of tools that you can use before that to identify, okay, what are we going to create and why? What's the intent behind this thing that we're creating? Um, so, you know, one, one that I really like to use, it's actually a good free tool that listeners can use is a website called answerthepublic.com. And that's a really good tool for that intent. Cool. What you go there, what you do there is you go in and you type in whatever your potential targets you are. So tar- target keywords you want to focus on. So whatever words you think you can monetize, if you were to show up on Google, go to answer the public, punch that in and see what comes back. And, and what's going to come back is this visual chart that says the who, what, when, where, and why of whatever you input. And what that data is, it, it comes from a couple sources, but one of the sources is, you know, Trip, if you go to Google and you start typing something in and it says, hey, I think you mean this and kind of auto-completes sure. the sentence. The, the, yeah, the autocomplete engine. Yeah, so it pulls data from places like that. And, and what's beautiful about that is, Answer the Public is saying, hey, Trip, this is what people have historically already searched Google. So then you don't have to guess and you don't have to throw mud at the wall. You can look at that and say, okay, what of these questions do I have a core competency in or does my product or service solve? And then you create content around that because that's our, that's what your audience is already asking for. Sure. Hey, before we go any further, how does a customer get in touch with you? Um, I am on active on Facebook and LinkedIn. Uh, those are what do we search people. by? What do we search for? Just my name, Damon Burton. And, and then if you want, you to, want to spell that, please. Yeah. D-A-M-O-N-B-U-R-T-O-N. Okay. And if I search for you on LinkedIn or Twitter or Facebook, I'll find you and you have a website that is what? SEOnational.com. Do you make sure. anything by hand yourself or are you just in the digital world? Um, I'm already, yeah, I mean, digital, the digital world is definitely my, my playground. Um, so I do a lot of, you know, me personally, I have, I have a team that obviously takes care of a big chunk of things, but me personally, um, I do some graphic things, but yeah, the, no, I mean, uh, do you paint or sketch or paint or what do you do? I mean, this is, you know what I mean? About you. Um, 
if I had to pick a medium, it'd probably be more um, writing, like more personal type of, you know, pen, pen, pen to paper. <laughs> oh, pen and paper. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that's really a, like a lost art. And do you do calligraphy or? Um... No, I don't. I don't get it into the aesthetic handwriting. More in into, um, you know, on I guess you say more on the poetry side. Oh, okay, cool. No, I actually <laughs> there was a a friend of mine before we had this uh, called me who is a poet and who is known in a circle of well-known writers. Um, and he was mm -hmm. repeating something that Franz Dusky said, which was, and I don't even know if you know who that is, but that's no. a, it doesn't matter. <laughs> what he said is something that something along the lines of, but when he was hanging up is I've, eternally been searching for myself in a female form so I could be my own wife. <laughs> so he's a, he's a big fan of himself? Um, uh, well, he, that's what he, he was making a thing at. My friend was looking for something on Twitter. Somebody got he was trolling him and I do anti-troll stuff. Um, you no. anti-troll anti by trolling back? <laughs> or what, what do you do? What do you mean you anti-troll? There's some AI trolls that are on social media now, which are interesting because they're relentless. Yeah. They'll just keep coming back. Um, yeah. I ran into uh, one. Are you on Twitter? Uh-huh a group uh, that I believe are part of the Chinese army hmm. that play with Americans and try uh, to try to um, I guess AI farms well beyond the part of an AI form farm but the AI they're training an AI farm so the AI farms are on Twitter as conversation argument bots Mm -hmm. So a lot of these will look like trolls. Some of them do reposting or retweeting, but in an organized method. What drove you into marketing, man? I mean, did you, you've been doing it for 18 years. You spent half your 20s doing something else, and it wasn't all education. So what drove you into this? Uh, it... Uh, it started when I, I built a car enthusiast website. So when I was in um, college, I, so actually even a little before college. What kind of in, car? Um, it, was, it was like, if you think Fast and Furious kind of style, it was like I built a website kind of oriented around that a couple of years before Fast and Furious came out. So um, when, when I was going to college, the, I was in a communications class and the teacher said, Hey, here's we're we're doing some basic HTML, and you know back then they didn't have WordPress and Dreamweaver and sure, these, sure. these builder tools. And so the the assignment was here's these these necessities you need to include in your HTML site. Um, and and so when I was going through that list, I said, well, if I'm going to spend this much time building out something, why don't I buy a domain and and build a functioning website instead of something that's going to get trashed on the school server at the end of the semester. So I asked the teacher, I said, can I, can I build an actual website as long as I still meet the criteria? And he said, yeah, that's fine. So I, I built a website called eliterides.com. Uh, I still have the domain, but it's just kind of archived. There's nothing there at this point. But when I built that site out, it was around, you know, I, I'd go around and at the time I had the, the stereotypical kind of fast and furious car, a little turbo Honda Civic, and so I'd go around town and as I'd see other cars that were kind of in that, that space, I'd, I'd kind of flag them down and say, hey, pull over. And so I'd talk to them and I'd say, can I, can I feature your car? And so I started building out these bios on cars. And then um, a couple months later, I kind of stumbled into the server logs because this was before Google Analytics was, was the, the solution where you'd kind of look at your traffic. And I found that my website was getting a reasonable amount of traffic. And so that's kind of where I'd say my career started because at that point I said, well, that's cool. How do I, 
make this better? How do I grow this more? And so then I started to learn more about design. And then as it continued to grow, I said, how do I monetize this? And so that's when I started to explore marketing. And, and then I had a couple little experiment websites in between that were profitable. And, and so I was, I was the, the guy that did websites for cheap for a while. And then at some point I, I, I had, you know, 40% of my income from my side hustle, but my day job was taking up 80% of my time. And so I, I went through that intentional decision of, does it make sense to, you know, free up 80% of my time and explore this further if I can pay my bills, uh, because obviously, obviously it would suck to cut out that chunk of your income. But I made the decision. I said, yeah, this is something I want to explore. Um, quit the day job, went all in on doing the entrepreneur thing and, and uh, was fortunate enough that here we are 13 years later. Well, I am definitely going to check out your website. That sounds really cool. And if anybody wants to go and look at his creativity throughout time, you were probably captured by the Wayback Machine. I was, yep. Archive.org, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. so you can go out to archive.org and look up that domain or any domain and see what it looked like way in the day. Um, and building up to today, they're actually their tools are actually better now uh, <laughs> over yeah. time for a while. It wasn't so pleasing when you went to their website and looked at yeah. something, it was like, things are broken. It's, um, hit, it's hit and miss depending on how the site was, was built. If it can, you know, copy over those, those into the archives for you to look at it. Yeah. There, well, there's a couple tools that are out there like the, I don't know if you're really in the developing world, but there are some Ruby exclusive um, Ruby on Rails, which is a development package, has an HTML pack piece or unit. And there's a bunch of people in the Ruby on Rails camp that build websites on their own that are highly functional very graphic and the archive doesn't get them at all <laughs> yeah that that's the trick is is the language Ar archive.org is only going to catch you know depending on the language if you start getting into javascript or like you said ruby on rails and uh, well it, it changes it over somewhat over to html because you can make mm -hmm. an html uh, snapshot yeah. snapshot and i that's the end of hot, a low level conversation. Cause I'm going to lose my audience. I <laughs> that with another program. I'm not going to lose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it is. It is fun though to go every once in a while, I'll go back and take a peek at that old elite ride site. And, and yeah. it uh, bring, brings me right back to the day when I was, when it was a one man show. And so now that you, now that you're in to the middle success of your life, what kind of rod do you have in the garage? Uh, so I went, I went the, I went the opposite direction. So I'm no longer necessarily a huge fan of cars. So, um, I'm a family man. I've been also married 13 years and I have three kids. And so I'm cool with my, my, uh, infinity sedan that I've had for eight <laughs> years. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think I'll probably, you know, at some point revisit some sort of nice car. It's not that our car isn't nice, but I'm not going to go spend unnecessarily uh when i know my kids are gonna get cheese at crackers in between the the seat belt you know holes <laughs> yeah well the you know the kids grow up a little bit and it, there are things that i've seen other rotters do and i've seen you know i've seen both sides of it i grew up around um some people that built um one of the people that I grew up with went on to work on NASCAR at the mechanics mm. side. Another one that passed away was a master painter. Um, another guy that I knew, that I grew up with literally was a up and coming stock car driver. So mm -hmm. yeah, I've been around both the mechanic and the prettiness of um, mm -hmm. building out rods. Um, I didn't participate necessarily. I was kind of an asshole and would throw extra <laughs> bolts in, <laughs> into somebody's bo box because they had taken their engine apart. <laughs> what's this? What's this extra bolt for? Where does this go? <laughs> Looks yeah. like it goes to a head. Are they in there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not. I I, uh, I still appreciate cars, but it's no longer. Um, 
the uh, it's not a hobby anymore so i don't get too deep into it i, I you know my thing is i'm not sure that they're going to last man i i'm really not because the way that we've conditioned society into rental and not ownership of purchases we've got people that are leasing automobiles that really shouldn't be leasing them and now all of software, at least most of the better software of today's standard or the up and coming software is all on rental. You don't physically own any of it. And you're, so what we're doing is we're training the obsolescence of ownership of wheels. I mean, it's going to get to the point that in my idea is that we pull out our cell phone and tell Uber or whoever, Lyft or whatever the company is that I want to be picked up. I don't have the car nor the expense. Mm -hmm. I just paid for the ride and the rides are Mercedes and BMW and upper class cars driving around, picking up people and dropping them off. Because after all, if I have the choice of riding around by an automated vehicle of a Mercedes or a Honda, why would I pick Honda? Yeah. And I understand that the Japanese are, gonna, are in the forefront, but they're, they're buying the, um, I think that they're purposely buying the, the upper end brands for this reason. I think the, the upper end brands are going to be where it's at. And when we have the driverless cars um, and the law that goes alongside it, that says you're not allowed to drive anymore. Um, yeah. You know, that's not, I, this conversation has certainly crossed my mind and, and it's not my area of expertise, but oh, mine either, man. That, that, that has, that's kind of the same potential that I see as well is that, you know, at some point there may be an argument that for safety reasons, this is now the law. And so there, there certainly is opportunities for it to go that way. Yeah. And it's going to be a new thing too, when your five-year-old says, Hey, I want to go to the park and they yank out their cell phone. And <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I've, I'm open to the idea of it being the majority of the way society works, but I don't think it will be the entirety of it because there's always going to be, um, whether it's for class reasons that you want to own your own thing or long, long destinations, you know, maybe that's not feasible to rent an Uber for a, a 16 hour road trip. So I think there's going to be some middle ground, but I think it will continue to grow the way you've said. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens with it. Um, your industry of course is going to be the pusher uh, for whatever that is, because that's what, um, media and people believe or perceive that they have their own opinion the way society works, but that's not really the case. It's more or less um, ad agencies that make that decision for us. Maybe maybe up a few notches above where I'm at. I don't think I'm I'm I wouldn't consider ourselves an uh, an ad. We are certainly a marketing agency, but. Um, I wouldn't. I didn't mean. To, I didn't mean to slam you with an ad agency. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was inappropriate. Yeah. <laughs> and uncalled you know, for. We're, we're, we're not grooming the masses with magazine ads and you know things. And oh no, you but you've, your subtleties of influence do carve off, and all the subtleties of influence that we all carve off. One of the people that I had on my podcast was a, a musician who'd been around since the 1950s. And he said, Americans are sheep. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what he, and you know, when I, I think about it, it's when you have any kind of company that creates anything that others must follow, people will follow whatever it is. So it's how well you create the thing to make people follow. And that's, you know, you're, you're in following 
is your customer really, but you are the one behind the customer that creates the thing that the vehicle by which your customer has a voice. Yeah, there, there's certainly um, the, the, you know, what's interesting, what, what I, what I, what comes to mind for me is my days in radio. You know, a lot of people don't realize that radio is just a business. You sure. Know, pe- people, the radio stations, they don't really care to play that song because you requested it. They play that song because it's going to get you to listen so they can increase their monetization. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's no arguing that um, we're in an age of consumerism um, and, and all of us play a part in it big or little intentional or unintentional. But yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I think there's definitely good guys versus bad guys to an extent, but we all play in it a little bit. I had the guy that was from hell last night. (laughs) I really did. He wanted to be a business coach. So Uh I asked him, okay, you want to be a coach. So who do you coach? I coach people that come to me. Okay, what's your experience? I don't have any. Why would I go to you if you don't have any experience? But I answer questions. What kind of questions? What people ask me? You, you know, the, the Facebook ads, ClickFunnels uh, topic earlier bleeds into this a lot. Um, there's obviously coaches that are legit, but the, the, the problem that, as we touched on earlier, there's so many cool things to build, cool ways and easy ways to build websites and create ad campaigns that just about anybody can do it, but it doesn't mean that they're good at it. And that's also bred a new wave of, you know, marketers and coaches. And, and I like to kind of joke, um, there's coaches, the coach coaches about coaching. Because, I think that's what he had, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's unfortunate because social media, um, you know, earlier you asked what, what else am I into besides my marketing space? And for me, entrepreneurism is like, as cliche as it sounds like I like the, I like the hustle behind it. you know, the sure. Stri- you like w- making other people win. Yeah. And yeah. being part of that winning formula that makes somebody else successful. I get that. And, yeah. that, and that's admirable. It really is. Well, so th- th- that's the nice part about social media is you should celebrate your wins when they are earned. Right. But the problem is social media gives the opportunity to show a highlight reel when they're not earned. And so then that also births the opportunity to have the coaches, the coach coaches about coaching because they can come in here and they can do a highlight reel and they can do paid ads to spike the visibility of it. And it's, it's unfortunately something pretty common. You know, I have a little podcast that I started as a, as kind of a hobby to have good engagements with people and just build my relationships. And I had to say, I don't take coaches as guests because more often than not, it was the exact person that you describe is the person without experience. And, you know, they, yeah, get in your time, build your expertise. And if you want to help somebody, then help somebody, but you're not an expert until you're an expert. And, and that's the, that's what gives the bad, that's what gives the bad name to a lot of these industries is the people that come in and cut corners and just display the high right highlight reel and don't actually get in the experience to drink, to, to drive those results. And I have gotten the book people that think it's all about their book and are shocked that I want to talk to them about them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. They're expecting to come in and just puke on you. Yeah, and I've had I've already had a couple of those. Some of them are really cool, though. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them shown daylight actually are interesting, nice people that I'm going to continue having a relationship with if I if it works out. Yeah, um, and that's cool. That's really what the motive behind this is: that and to create a spectacle and make um, make people that are doing podcasts no longer put that little widget across a thing actually throw video up on YouTube and kick YouTube up a notch because the thing of doing this zoom double 
picture on YouTube needs to go away. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, there, there's your, there's your market driving, driving the direction. Um, that's since that's the way Zoom exports it, and Zoom was massively adopted in the recent months. I think you're kind of stuck with that for a while. Oh no, I'm not. No, I'm not. You see, if you use this in OBS, and I re predefined Zoom looking like this, this is a direct frame for input. Oh no, yeah, you. But I mean, I mean the the larger population. If you're looking at their output, you're going to be stuck with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know the. The whole thing is what you build, how creative you can be with it and what the presentation and you get what you're asking for. So that's really cool. And how does somebody get in touch with you again? Would you give your name, uh, your Damon and your, and your spelling and where you can be found again? Yeah. Damon Burton, D-A-M-O-N-B-U-R-T-O-N. Uh, Facebook and LinkedIn are my social media platforms of choice. And then you can reach out if you want to talk shop at seonational.com. Cool, cool. Where were you going before the virus hit for family vacay? I mean, I, when people like you are interesting when you have little ones because mm -hmm. your choices are pseudo pseudo limited by your own invention. So what did you and your <laughs> wife decide to do? Uh, we, we travel a fair bit. You know, obviously that's been more limited in the recent months. Sure, but, where to? Um, our go-to place is San Diego. We usually go hit there five or six times a year. So we're every two or three months, we'll go head out to San Diego. Um, San Diego is nice because, uh, you know, obviously the weather, but it's the closest destination from where I'm at in Utah to get to, you know, a beach area. And so it's only 90 minutes. And so we'll go hit there quite a bit. And um, I actually, myself, what I usually do, especially more in the winter time, I like to go do what I call day trips. Uh, so I'll catch a 6 a.m. flight there, but I don't want to be away from my wife and kids too long. So then I'll catch a 6 p.m. flight back the same day. So we usually go hit San Diego quite a bit. Um, but then we'll just kind of mix it up wherever my, my wife prefers exotic beachy destination so that's kind of the default is it has a, the prerequisite is that it usually has to have a beach but um other than guam, that, guam is really pretty from what i hear yeah yeah we'll it's see it's about out of the way as you can get you know i was in the philippines when the whole virus thing rolled out so i had to cut my my visit short um but it was awesome there i went and did uh you know the the underground river, which is one of the newer seven wonders of the world. Um, I went island hopping and snorkeling and, and did the whole touristy kind of thing. And, and that was really cool to go, go head out. I mean, that was probably, that was definitely my longer, my longer destination in my portfolio, but it was fun. Last time the, I went to San Diego and I was there two weeks before the change in law said that you had to have a passport uh, to go to Tijuana. So uh, I went over to Tijuana and then had a mishap with my friend and ended up staying the night in Tijuana. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it, that, that, whole, that whole exchange with San Diego, and I don't know if you went over to Mexico or not, but that whole side of the United States is definitely pretty and, and interesting. Did you ever go to any of the spas that are like north of San Diego? No, no, I've never gone. I've been to Mexico on the, you know, but I've never gone from San Diego. And then as far as North, um, we'll take the, my wife and kids, we'll go up to Carlsbad and, um, you know, Santa Monica, but we're usually just, every time we go, you know, my wife wants to just relax at the beach and my kids are funny. My kids just want to go to the pool. So if I had to say, Hey kids, do you want to go to the ocean or just to a hotel and get in the pool? it's going to be a hotel and in the pool. <laughs> so so we, we, we tend to do the more simplistic things. Well, that's cool. And it's, it's cool that you, it, the whole thing that we find in time is that family is really, it, we identify with work and what we do and what we've done for work. Mm -hmm. But what really counts is the time that you spend with your family and how you create your family and 
that really should be the celebrated question. It's not, what do you do meaning for work? It's what, how much time do you spend with your, your family and do things with your family? Now with coronavirus, of course, <laughs> there is no getting away from anyone. <laughs> We're stuck. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, the topic of family is actually something that uh, aside from SEO is, is probably what I talk about most when I, when I go on other podcasts is, um, you know, I make a pretty hard, I, I have pretty hard lines where I separate work and family time. And so for example, I have our, our phones cut off at five o'clock and I never give my clients my cell phone number. And oh, I cool. don't have, I don't have email on my phone. And I don't have messenger on my phone. So I, I make a lot of um, intentional efforts to kind of isolate the two. And, and granted, being a business owner, there's going to be some times where it's just unavoidable. But um, I have come to learn that I, those hard lines I make are, are pretty unordinary and, uh, among other business owners, especially if they're in the digital space. No, actually, that, that is very cool. And that is uh, enlightening, to say the least. Um, in admirable in itself, I you know it the idea of cutting off communication in all for, forms. I don't have social media on my telephone mm-hmm. at all. I do have email on my phone. I get that, and I'm on all forms of social media, but mm-hmm. n- but not. I don't take it with me. Yeah, um, it stays wherever when I'm at home. Yeah. So lately it's been here (laughs) and I can't wait until I get away from this crap again. But uh, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Apparently you did because you got to the very end. Let me remind you that the host does not necessarily endorse or agree with anything that the guests may say. So don't hold me responsible. If you could do me a great favor and please share this with one of your friends, I mean, even email work, work. And by all means, if you happen to be on iTunes, please leave me a comment. It would really help this podcast immensely. Until next time, adios.